Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Look, Diane, if you like Sam at all, I don't understand what the problem is here. Derek's making a commitment. All I ever get from Sam is adolescent flirtation. I'm not sticking around for that. If you give me something, anything, I'd stay. Diane, Diane, you, you, you don't understand Sam. Sam's the kind of a guy, you know, he keeps his feelings to himself. I mean, the more he, the more he cares about something, the less he shows it. I've been with him through his divorce, through his boozing, through the end of his career. And let me tell you something, the tougher things got, I mean, the cooler he got. You know, something, it's a damn sure bet that if he's not expressing himself to you, he's nuts about you. Or he couldn't care less. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and I am joined once again by the Longbox Crusade crew, minus the guy who actually founded the Longbox Crusade podcast. It is the same trio as last time. First up, Jared Albrook, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. What's up? Hello, hello. I have with me Pat. Pat, come on over here for a second. Hello, I really like Cheers with T. <laughs> Danson. T. Danson is a great actor. Yep, we all love T. Danson. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is cruel, but on a very, very... <laughs> I'm a bad friend. That's what we take away from this. <laughs> Next up, Jason Alberic, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back, Ryan. The last time was a blast. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as if a week hasn't gone by. <laughs> I feel like we're just in a groove right now. Seems like only yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. How's it going? It's going great, and uh, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, it's almost like yeah, I just didn't leave my chair, and we're just <laughs> ready for this next episode. Uh, the fellows are back, and we're going to pick up right where we left off, which is the first season finale, episode 22, Showdown, part two. This episode, again, was written by Glenn and Les Charles, directed again by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, March 31st, 1983. Diane has been seeing Sam's brother, Derek, for a week, while Sam has been dating a new woman every night. When Derek asks Diane to go to Europe with him, she goes to the bar to force a confrontation with Sam. If he's honest enough with his feelings to ask her to stay, she'll break up with Derek for Sam. But the only disappointment Sam shows initially is that he'll have to hire a new waitress. After bidding everyone at the bar a fond farewell, Diane goes back to the office to try and make Sam jealous enough to confess his love for her. 
When that fails, she storms off again and again and again, <laughs> saying goodbye to the crowd each time before almost going back to Sam for one more showdown. Hey, that's the title. At last, she grabs a chalkboard from the pool room and scratches her nails on it until Sam admits that he wants her to stay with him. After a lot of coaxing, they both confess their love for each other. But before they can kiss, Diane starts to think about their relationship and Sam gets frustrated, leading to an epic fight. Before Diane can storm off for the final time, the two of them are swept up in their mutual disgust for each other and finally succumb to their emotions and kiss. And that was the end of Cheers Season 1. What did you guys think about this one? Um, Jared? Ah, uh, my wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> this was, a, you know, I, just as an overall thought, I thought this was a great episode. Much like it pairs nicely, obviously, it's two-part with the last one. It's a good encapsulation of what is Cheers. And I was worried going into this last one because I was like, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be super emotional. It's going to be one of those emotional episodes. That's fine. Everything. But you know, I like my comedy. Are they going to lose a lot of comedy? No, they pulled off some strong emotional scenes with strong comedy. Perfect pairing. This is why the show is such a success. So that's my broad thoughts there. Jason, what'd you think? Oh, how do I follow that? I agree a hundred percent. I was feeling the exact same way watching it. I was thinking, is this going to be one of those, heartstring pullers or you know i just didn't know what to expect and it was just a perfect blend of of comedy and emotion and i thought their relationship felt realistic uh i don't know if this is the best foundation to start a new (laughs) romance off on but uh, i got a little uncomfortable when sam was talking about bouncing her off the walls. I was like, you can't really do that, Sam. Uh, but she was holding her own, too. So it's like, oh, I don't know. It's, uh, this was just, this was a great, great episode. And I think if I'd been watching this when it originally aired as the season finale, I would have been very satisfied. Yeah. Delvin, what'd you think? I mirror what they say. It is a, it was, it was a very good episode, very fine ending to the season. And clearly, um, and I'm going to need Jared's help on this, it was clearly a culmination. Culmination. Of, of like, good events. Um, of what happened the entire season, what happened the last episode, what happened for, uh, to finish the way that it did. So they did a great job. Yeah, they they pick up the plots from the previous episode and the, for the, the meta plot, which is the Sam and Diane kind of overarching plot that has been since the beginning, that we finally get definite advancement of their relationship by the end when they actually kiss. That's something that I've been building up to for 22 episodes. Um, But just picking up the other threads, you know, in the last episode, everything seemed to be going great for all these characters. And, and had this been the end of the series, which it it could have been like, if it got canceled, like this could have been a a satisfying conclusion because the main storyline was the same and Diane. And that has a resolution of sorts. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we also get these things of, is coach going to leave the bar to go, you know, coach down in South America? Well, no, he doesn't end up getting the job, and it's not because his Spanish isn't good enough. And then Norm has this whole thing where you know he, he Derek got him this job at like this what is it like medical center, being like their head accountant, and he quickly loses that job. So all of these other little plots are kind of like having some more resolution and continuing from this one, putting it together and going sort of like structurally. This is a kind of a, a weird episode in the way it's divided because. You know, you've got your teaser, you've got your first act, and then the second act. The second act is pretty much all Sam and Diane. Most of it yes. in the back room. 
like we're hardly even at the bar during the second act. It's just when Diane is like kind of walking back. Um, Except when they open the door at that. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is an amazing Perfectly moment. Yes. Yeah, the the teaser, and this is a weird one. And well, I, I kind of I'm bearing the lead here because we've actually talked about this before. The scene in the teaser, which is you've got this guy named Chuck who tells Sam that he works at this biology lab where they do all these experiments, and he's kind of weird about, like, you know, getting some kind of disease or radiation or something like that. And Sam's like, don't be ridiculous. They take all those precautions. And this guy, Chuck, leaves. And as soon as he leaves, they go into hazmat detail. <laughs> they, spray, they spray down his seat where he was sitting at the bar. They spray down the phone that he used. They wipe down everything. And they've got this thing down to, like, a science where, you know, like, they've done this before every time he walks in. Everybody had their positions like cliffs by the phone. And, yeah, so, yeah. The weird, the weird thing is this scene in the teaser has been used in the show before. It was in episode five, the episode about Coach's daughter. But the thing is, they didn't just take that like archive footage and, and reinsert it at the beginning of this episode. They reshot it. Like you can tell it's different scene. It's the same dialogue, it's the same blocking, but the clothing is different, the hair is different. Carla's pregnant in this one when she wasn't in season in, in episode five. Like I have no idea why they decided to do that. And my thinking was at some point late in the game, they just realized this episode was too short. They needed an extra scene. And if you look at, because the, the scene in the beginning of the first act, when you've got Cliff talking to Coach, like doing the whole, if a tree falls in the woods, that moment feels kind of isolated enough that that could have been the teaser. Or even the scene, like when Carla's serving the, the two older ladies their drinks and they keep on doing something. And we'll go, like that could have been like the teaser itself. So it kind of feels like they, there's a little bit of a choppiness when the first act is just all these little micro vignettes that are sort of like, not really connected until Diane comes in and starts talking about confessing her feelings to Sam in front of Coach. So I don't know why. Maybe they just thought this episode was too short and they needed to redo the scene. But for some reason, they didn't just like cut and splice a scene from an earlier episode. They reshot it, and I have no idea why. It's just weird. Hmm. Is that? Those were some good vignettes, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so let's let's go through them. Because the first, the first one I, I have a personal connection to, like with the whole Cliffy is asking coaches, like, you know, the, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? And I'll always remember coach's response because his first thing is, well, if nobody was there, coach, how do you know it fell? <laughs> I always remember because, like, like, I think my dad or somebody must have, like, quoted that line to me at one point because I remember in school, like, uh, one of my teachers was giving a test and just, like, as an extra credit question had that, just, like, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? And I just remember writing down that response. Mm-hmm. If you weren't there, how do you know the tree fell? <laughs> and he was like, oh, you get a point for that. So <laughs> That cliff and coach logic there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like two great philosophers going head-to-head. Exactly. It's like, well, let's say I went into the woods later on and I saw the tree. Like, well, a bunch of beavers could have cut the tree down and just slowly <laughs> just <gently>. laid it <laughs> there. I swear, Cliff, it's like you didn't prepare for today <laughs> at all, you know? Yeah. It's like, I'm disappointed in you, Cliff. You're not prepared for this. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, then we get the next scene with the, the two old ladies who come in, like, ordering <laughs> their drinks. And just the progression of this is, is so beautiful. It's such fun to watch. You see the first one orders tea. And the other one orders sherry. And she, oh, sherry sounds really nice. I might have, and then they keep like, you know, that's an interesting <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's like, wine. I haven't had wine in the middle of the day. And then it finally it gets to like, you know what? I, have, I remember a beer on a nice hot day. It's like, well, it's kind of cold. 
well, they drop a shot of whiskey in it or something. Yeah, <laughs> like right. Two Boilermakers. after two in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> two Boilermakers, Wild Turkey and Bun. And, and Carla's like, I'll run a tab for you ladies. So, um, And then kind of like the third one that's sort of different is when um, uh, Sam comes back with his, his you know, latest you know, girlfriend, or whatever, who is a woman named Cindy, played by the actress Peggy Kubina, who on IMDb has only five credits. And this is the only one with a name. It's like, so, Damn. Yeah. Her other credits on IMDb, she is listed as Blonde, Blonde Nurse, <laughs> Rookie Girl Skater, and Stripper Slash Prostitute. So. <laughs> that, that is some appalling diversity there. Yeah. Credit to the Cheers writers for actually giving her a name. So, so literally only in Cheers is where everybody knew her name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Oh, you saved it. Wonderful. <laughs> and so then we also find out that Norm Norm was fired from his job. And uh, does anybody remember why he was fired from it? He tried uh, to spin it like it was his principals, but it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were cooking the books and everything, and they're like, oh, so you left on your principals. And he's like, and yeah, no, I went. It's been a long time. They fired break. me. Yeah, it's a long break. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. And Sam is like the last angry man. Huh? He's like, yeah, damn right. He's like, these are rich people cheating on their taxes. And who has to foot the bill? Honest people like you and me. And all of you find people that I've listed as my dependents. Yeah, my dependents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Finally, Diane shows up like in the middle of the episode and starts talking to Coach. And she unburdens herself of this truth that she she's saying, she's like, I'm making a confession not just to you, but to myself that... And she's trying to, like, skate around it. And Coach is like, I get it, I get it. You're hot for Sam's chili. (laughs) (laughs) What'd she say? Well, I think... Keats would have said it differently, yeah. Yeah, Keats would have said it better. (laughs) She admits that. And then, yeah, it it finally... The whole thing culminates, as you said. Culmination. (laughs) (laughs) It leads to them having this face-off in the back of the bar. And... Uh, as as one of you put it, this is not the the foundation for a lasting relationship. And I think at the heart, like everything about Sam and Diane, I think kind of kind of boils down to this this scene at the end with them, because it, it, yeah, it's like this perfect little microcosm that like these are two people who should not be together long term. <laughs> they don't belong together. They are way too opposite. They can't stand. Sam actually says, "How do you think it feels to be attracted to somebody who makes you sick?" That yes. like perfectly defines who they are. <laughs> they have this burning sexual chemistry desire for each other. This just this attraction that has been building for so long that they want to be with each other, but they don't belong together, and they're not going to build a lasting relationship. And, and we will see that that they keep trying for five years on the show. They keep trying, and they just keep falling short because it's like this is a couple that. You want to root for, but it's just not in the cards. They don't, it's not going to happen. But for now, at least, so I, I think I think this is a great little encapsulation of of who they are as a couple. Just in what we see in this scene. And then, if you think about that scene, it ran long, mm-hmm. almost by design. You could, that's kind of a microcosm of their relationship mm-hmm. too. Like if they like they had each other, they. Both there was something about each other they were attracted to. It probably should not have gone as long as it did, <laughs> but but they kept coming back to it anyway. Right. What did you think of like Sam's strategy? Like and, and like Sam's just refusal to admit it was that. 
I mean, did, was that in keeping with the character that that kind of coach laid out for him that he wouldn't admit it unless he was actually forced to under pain of like nails on a chalkboard? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think the coach obviously knows Sam the best out of everybody in that bar. Like Coach said, you know, I've been with him through his divorce, through his drinking, through the end of his career, and this is the way Sam is. And sure enough, I mean, that's the way he is, not just in that scene, but that's consistently how we see him. The way he expresses his feelings is usually through a wisecrack or something. And I mean, I think, too, not to get too deep into it, but I think that's really the hallmark of a good major league baseball pitcher, particularly a relief pitcher like Sam was, is, you know, you've got to you've got to have a short memory and keep your feelings close to yourself and and get the job done. So I think that, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a long winded answer, but I think it is true to his character. Anybody want to follow up on that or? Nope. No, no, <laughs> I, I actually agree with that. Uh, no, that I don't have anything to say. I, I yeah. did it. I stupefied it. My God. <laughs> All right, thanks for being on the show, guys. We're, <laughs> I guess we're we're done. So, um, yeah, and I I agree with that, and I think it's it's telling that he will only be vulnerable under the most extreme circumstances. And I think like, you know, when he, he goes halfway there and he's like, he's like, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay. He's like, but tell me what you want. He kind of like forces it out of her. And she, she has to say, she's like, I like you better. And once she admits that, then he's like, all the jealousy that I felt for Derek over the years is nothing compared to what I've been feeling now. Like with the thought that you might run off and get married with him and live in Europe or something like that. Like that, that was like really killing him. And then they they kind of come together and but still sort of caught up in like their emotions. He's like, oh, maybe we should kiss now. And she, of course, Diane is too much in her head, and she won't. She's like, no, we have to be like swept up. Like they, they, we can't preface our first kiss by maybe we should kiss. Like it has to be <laughs> spontaneous and in the moment and romantic that way. And that over analyzing everything just drives Sam crazy, and it leads to again another fight. Like they haven't even kissed yet, and now they're fighting over what their first kiss is going to be. Like, the modern term is extra. <laughs> she she is very extra with like, oh yes, the kiss has to be absolutely perfect. And like, oh my god, just, <laughs> just shut up and let's kiss. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she she compares, she drops like a Wuthering Heights reference in the middle of their fight when she's talking <laughs> about like, you know, Derek and I were talking about, you know, Gar- Heathcliff and Catherine on the moors or something like that. And Sam's like, shut up about my brother. And it's <laughs> yeah. like Sam is actually like he's, like, he's driven so crazy that he's actually having like violent thoughts, like, <laughs> like throwing her up and bouncing her off the walls. Like this is another thing where you're like, this is not a good, healthy relationship. No, it's a passionate relationship. You can't deny that, but it's probably not in a healthy place right now. And and spoilers: by the end of season two, they do get violent with each other. Like, and and she throws hands as much as he does. So it's it's yeah. It's like I guess in the moment you want to be like happy. Yeah, this is this is the good happy feel good ending that they finally come together. But. All of the signs are there. It's like, it reminds me of like, one of my favorite lines of dialogue that I've ever heard. I don't know if any of you have uh, watched the, the Netflix show Bojack Horseman. Uh, it's an animated series, but you know, there's, there's a line like when these two characters are breaking up and, and one of them says, when you look at someone with rose-tinted glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. 
And I'm like, oh, mm. oh that's a good line. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And I think that's a great line. Yeah. And it, it, to me, it kind of like feels like Sam and Diane, like, and I don't, like when throughout like the Rocky history of their relationship, they keep trying to see like, you know, this was the, the couple that should have been. It's like, no, when you step back and look from a distance, like these two might've had a good hookup and might've had like a short passionate affair, but to try and think that these two were going to get married and spend their lives together I don't think this is healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably the couple that shouldn't. It, yeah. it, it's it's kind of. I remember Dave Chappelle um, when he made a he made a joke about President Clinton and said, you know, it's not very complex. You know, he was probably just horny and he was like <laughs> looking around for somebody that was just nearby. You know, yeah. going out the. It, it is this, and it's kind of the same thing. You have this woman who is this, like Sam had this woman, she was an absolute enigma and like, and different from pretty much any other woman that he has been with. She was not easy and she was not like, you know, the stereotypical bimbo. And like, so that was an intriguing thing to him. And then she wouldn't just come off of it. Mm -hmm. So like all that. And then same thing with uh, Diane, where, you know, like she like, what does she describe Derek as like a six, uh, three baseball card? Or something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so like, so she shouldn't, you know, she's all smart and erudite and all this, and she shouldn't be attracted to that. And yet she finds herself attracted. So, you know, but it was kind of an itch that they had to scratch and it was probably because of proximity that made it even more why they couldn't separate from it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's probably true. It's like they, the how different they were initially was appealing and attractive and interesting and 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 I think that builds it up and then the fact that they were working together in close proximity yeah I think you said it exactly right yeah the fact that they were with the, they were together for a year just letting this build up and letting it it kind of get the better of them um, but yeah like I mean I certainly relate to this like like one of my girlfriends or whatever we had nothing in common we shouldn't have been together and once we finally did get together and start dating. We spent most of our relationship trying to change the other person to be more like what we were. It's like, I wanted her to take more of an interest in my stuff. She wanted me to hang out with her friends. It's like, we don't like any of these same things. Why are we together? (laughs) Well, I think with Sam and Diane, I, you know, I think that they're still trying to find themselves in in a way. I think that in all honesty, I could see a world where the two of them, could have a relationship they could even get married and live happily ever after but not in this place that they are in their own lives sam has a great line in this episode where he says uh, something to the effect of uh, she said you know derek and i have so much in common he says yeah you both think you're perfect but only one of you's right <laughs> <laughs> you know and and so as much as diane likes to think she's got her stuff together she doesn't and neither does Sam. Sam's trying to, for the first time in his life, it seems like, actually have a relationship. And he doesn't know how. And she wants to change him so bad. And she thinks that she's got all her stuff together. And she doesn't. So the passion's there. I think they care about each other a lot. And we see that, you know, all through the series. But, uh, yeah, these two definitely have some growing up to do before they could have a relationship that works. Right, right. And maybe part of it is that they don't really grow up because Diane, she got jilted basically and dumped at this bar from her, her fiance, but she was, she was a grad student. She was still in school and like hung up on her, her superior and, and everything. She never really 
had to deal with like life as an independent adult woman and kind of go through that. She was still very much a child or a kid at some point when this whole thing began. And Sam is kind of in like a second stage of his life after, you know, he lost his career. He's a recovering alcoholic. He's got all these things. So it's, they are just kind of like in these different points of life where they're just, they, they're just not, they don't have the maturity level to sort of, to build that relationship without, without compromising who they are. If they even know who they are. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to need Frazier to sort them out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll come up in a couple of years. So. I don't have a whole lot of notes for this episode because so much of it is just focused. Like the whole, like the last 10 minutes are all that whole big scene and they're, they're fighting and they're coming together. So I, I have one that Jared might be interested in um, and ho- hopefully everyone else too. For whatever reason, especially like with some of his mannerisms, Ted Danson reminded me a little bit of Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what there's something about his mannerisms and kind of the, like the staccato in his voice. I don't know. Remind me a little bit of walking. They're both extremely you're, good actors. And uh, Ted Danson, are you trying to say you should have played Max Zorin? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's why I was going with that. <laughs> I thought you were trying to get trying to trap Jared into doing a Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I would I wouldn't do that either. I don't set him up like that on another show. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Not falling for it. Um, a few other notes. Uh, some of my trivia. It's a little known fact. Uh, the director James Burroughs won uh, the Emmy Award for directing this episode, which again seems like a cheat since he's recycling material from the previous episode. Although he did direct that episode too. So. Oh, well. <laughs> Uh, did any of you notice what kind of snack food Norm is eating in this episode? These nuts? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it pretzels? <laughs> Damn it, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, take three. Let's try, let's try. <laughs> Damn it, Jared. God, Pretzel nuts! <laughs> Alright, perhaps the, uh, the saddest and, and most unfortunate thing that I have to announce for this episode, when we get to Norm's tab... Unfortunately, because this episode was dominated by the Sam and Diane things, I can only give Norm credit for two beers this episode, which oh, means... Oh, oh, man. Oh. I've drank two beers since we started this podcast. <laughs> well, that means that Norm's season total for the first season is 98 beers. Too ah. short of the double O. So. Oh, just came uh. too shy, huh? Yeah. All right. Getting into our uh, our final categories... The employee of the week, um, I'll start off actually because I think I, I kind of mentioned it in the last episode that I really, these two, whole two parts, everybody, everybody shined, everybody had great material, but because Sam and Diane really dominated this one and I kind of split it, I thought Sam was a little bit better in the first part. I really think this one is Diane's episode and, and what she's able to do with her, her conversation with coach and then walking back and forth through the bar, like doing, doing the storming out and then storming back in repeatedly. And like, even like catching herself halfway and like, Nope, nope, I'm not even gonna do it, but goodbye. And like doing the whole thing with the crowd and everything. I love that. <laughs> Bye Diane. Yeah. Bye, Diane. And then the, yeah, her final scene. So I'm going to give Diane the award for this episode, but what did you guys think? Uh, Jason, who was your employee of the week this time around? I'm going to give an honorable mention to Carla, who I think had one of the best burns, the best <laughs> zingers in there when uh, Diane said, well, I'm off to Europe, but I wanted to stop by and say goodbye to all my friends. And she said, oh, so you decided to stop off here first then. Or- <laughs> <laughs> That's your next stop, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought that was funny, but I have to agree with you. This is Diane's episode all the way. She carries the show on her back. Uh, just funny, passionate, just a great episode for for Diane. Uh, Jared, what'd you think? I'm going to give it to Coach. Not necessarily anything super funny he said, but something super smart that he said, which, you know, Coach takes a lot of shots to the head, so <laughs> yeah. it can be tough. She said, I'm going to go in there, and if he doesn't, you know, I don't remember what the specific terms were, you know, get upset or beg me to stay or whatever it was, you know, and then I'm out of here. And he said something very profound. He's like, you want to hang this entire thing on one moment, one response? And uh, I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, we all get heated a, a, about things sometimes. And, and you know, you think about how many friendships could be lost and stuff over those tiny little things. So I thought yeah, that was some really solid advice. So way to go, coach. Delvin, what did you think? I, I think that I wish I would have gone before Jared because he stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it! <laughs> he stole it utterly and completely. He I, I, Did we all watch the movie uh, The Expendables? I know Jared and Jason did. <laughs> you know we did. Have I you watched it? No. You haven't? No, no, I haven't seen That's it. how good of a podcaster is. I didn't watch it, and I still podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was a, I, I mean, Expendables was very much a, you know, it was a movie that gave you exactly what you wanted. Right, 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 yeah. But what gave the movie, and since I'm throwing all these big words out, gravitas, was Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. Because he just gave this line, and it brought the movie in perspective, and it was all heavy but cool and somehow not hacky. I mean, he just, he owned it. And Coach did the exact same thing. Where Coach is usually like the dim-witted guy throwing out like the one-liners and stuff like that. But like, he absolutely nailed what Sam Malone was Mm -hmm. and gave that rock-solid advice to Diane uh, in order for her to go in there and finally, even though it was weird and kooky and Sam and Diane, they sealed the deal. Mm -hmm. And and, and none of that would have happened if it weren't for Coach. So Coach gets my uh, employee award. Yeah, I didn't have his. I didn't have him for that, but I did have him for my home run for my funniest line of the episode, which was he. he it's when he's talking to Diane. It's that same scene, and he's like, you know, the second I saw you and Derek, I said, now there goes a cute couple. And Diane replies, she's like, well, what about Sam? And Coach thinks, so. he's like, well, yeah, sure, Sam and Derek are cute, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, reverse order, then, uh, Delvin. What did you think was the the funniest part of the episode? Uh, well, uh, I'll go with the crowded door. The crowded door was hilarious. <laughs> Just because... well, well blocked. They oh, got yeah. so many faces in there. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. The, yeah, the setup for that, yeah. Like, they're, Sam and Dan, they're in the middle of this heated argument, and he's like, he's throwing her out of the office. He's like, get out. He just opens the door, and it's just packed all the way up to the top with, like, 16 people. Just like, yes. Like, Norman has a glass to the door like this. But and it also just brought that whole thing to where like I mean the episode was about Sam and Diane, but like the, that the entirety of the bar was interested <laughs> <laughs> as well. It was, even it was the cool. two, even the two British ladies. Yes, yeah, the two were there. <laughs> everybody <laughs> in the bar was there. They got everybody packed in that door. Uh, Jared, what'd you think? Um, there's a lot to choose from. Oh man, I got three rattling around in my head that are in combat. I think I'll settle for another award for Coach, I guess, when she was going on and on about her history and how she went to the Sorbonne. <laughs> she got a scholarship to the Sorbonne. <laughs> he said, I could probably help you with your Sorbonne. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you with any of that, Diane. Well, except maybe your Sorbonne. 
He just gave him a look like what? <laughs> he just went, he was pressed on too. It just kept going. So yeah, I'll give it to that one. That was pretty funny. Jason, what'd you think? I'm going to have to go with Delvin and the crowded door. Uh, I was chuckling all through the, through the episode, but when they opened that door and all those faces were there, I literally did a spit take. I, that was funny. That was really good. It is a brilliant reprieve from the, like, the hostility of the moment with Sam and Diane. Just like I had this one thing that just cuts through that, that air of that tension and just like gives you the chance to laugh. It's so well done. It's also like the last shot for some of those characters for the episode when like so much of the, the end is just between these two. We don't go back to the door to the bar really. So it's nice to, to see coach and Carla and Norman cliff for that one final time. Yeah. Yeah. They all think they're having this, this passionate intimate moment. And it's like everybody's at the door listening to it. The ladies. The ladies <laughs> sealed it for me, man. Oh man. I yeah, I'm laughing just thinking about it. That was that was great. The way they filmed it was great. That was just a great scene. Yeah. yeah. Um any final thoughts about this episode or both of them or the whole season finale? Yes. <laughs> I've got to tack on one of the other laughs that was battling in my head for my favorite is gotta be is very subtle, so it, it's easy to miss. But in the, I don't know, four or five times Diane says goodbye and is trying to leave, about the second or third time, it's, like I said, it's, it's subtle and it's in the background, but you might notice that Carla's actually opening the door for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she's in a hurry to get that door open for Diane. And that just that just cracked me up. I I forgot about it until you started mentioning those. But yeah, there's, there's also the other moment when she is back in the the office with Sam. It's when she goes to get the blackboard from the pool room. But we don't follow her. We stay with Sam in the office. But when she walks out, you hear the crowd going, "Bye, Diane." Yes. Like, like they like they think this is just the sixth or seventh time that she's doing this. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. All right, well, I, probably, I probably should have put this in my origin story, but I'm proud to say that about five years ago, I went to the Cheers Bar there. Nice. Anybody else been to the Cheers Bar, Ryan? I know you're from them I've, parts. I've seen the outside. I, I've been to Boston a couple of times. I've actually driven by uh, where it's located. I haven't actually been inside, um, but I'm hoping at some point to do that in the next couple of years, like during the life of this podcast, I would actually maybe like to actually record an episode inside there if I could. Super um, cool, Yeah. Yeah. Delvin, I know you've been up in that those parts. You ever been about Cheers? I have not been to Cheers Bar. Um, that would be a cool spot to go to. It was originally called the Bull and Finch Bar, and then I think at some point they just renamed it. They're like, like everybody knows this as the Cheers Bar. Let's just call it Cheers. <laughs> so, like, they renamed it. So yeah, they bought the the down. You know how you go downstairs, kind of under the sidewalk to go to the bar. It's it's its own bar, like you said, the Bull and Finch. And then they bought what was whatever upstairs, and then they made that a more TV you know, authentic, if you will, <laughs> version. So the TV versions in the upstairs, but the downstairs original version is still in its original shape. All right, guys, thank you one more time for helping me celebrate the season finale for Cheers season one. Uh, this was a whole lot of fun uh, for the listeners. If they want to hear more from you guys, Jason, where might they find you online? Well, you can find me at Weasel Skull uh, on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. And Delvin. You can find me on Twitter, uh, D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. 
I will go ahead and plug the show, The Long Box Crusade, as well. Uh, we do uh, quite a few podcasts under The Long Box Crusade umbrella to include Crusader Chronicles, Action from Faceoff, Transformer Chronicles, and Saturday Matinee Theater. And we are also on uh, White Rocket Entertainment, where we cover On Her Majesty's Secret podcast, MI6 Rookie Agents. We're talking about the James Bond movies. Uh, so we do all that stuff. So, yeah. Come join us. We love to have you. And Mr. Yard Sale Artist, Jared, where can people find you? Well, you got it right. It's at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can check out my website, theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. If you want to throw some shekels my way and then I'll throw art your way, that's how that works. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, folks, that is going to wrap up the first season of Cheers. I am going to take a little bit of a break after this. Uh, I will be back in two or three weeks to cover the listener feedback from the second half of the season, uh, as well as a special little micro-episode of Cheers that was never actually released. It's weird. You'll understand it when I get to it. Um, But after that, I'm going to be recording episodes for Season 2, but I'm not going to release them until this summer, and my hope is to make it weekly for a while at least. Uh, We'll see how that goes. For now, though, big, big thanks again to Jared and Jason Albrecht and Delvin Williams for being on the show. Thank you, as always, listeners, for tuning in. Please support the show on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, you can leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterwebsite.com. Please leave us an iTunes review too. Thank you for listening. And until next season, we're closed. I didn't say anything. I was swept away. <laughs> Let's face it. The moment's not right. We're, we're, we're too aware of what we're doing. All right. All right, you're right. You're right. I mean, this whole thing is not going the way it should. No. Maybe we should just forget about the kiss and hit the sack. <laughs> it's the dumbest conversation we have ever had, which means it's the dumbest conversation that's ever been. <laughs> Maybe this whole thing is just a mistake, huh? What whole thing? Well, this, this whole thing that we're trying to do here. I mean, every time we try to get together, something goes wrong. I mean, look, look, just because just I'm a neat-looking guy and you're kind of hungry at the moment doesn't mean that... Hungry? Oh, no, no, don't, don't, no, no, no. Listen, listen, what I mean by that is you've been here a long time. Now, if something were just going to naturally happen, it would have happened by now. It's silly of us to try to make it happen. Oh, fine. You tell me this now that I've let Derek go. Don't, no, don't throw Derek in my face now. You never cared for Derek. You just used him to trap me. Trap you? Yeah, that's right. I'm the best thing that could have happened to you, and you're too stupid to realize it. Are you kidding me? You are the worst thing that happened to me. And before you came here, I was a happy man. You honestly believe you were happier before you met me than you are now? Hell yes. I mean, how do you think it feels to be attracted to someone that makes you sick? In a world where criminals no longer follow any kind of rules, we need cops that also don't follow the rules. Academy Award winner Sean Connery as Detective Chubbins. What don't you understand? The little girl's missing and I'm going to find her. 
Academy Award winner Christopher Walken as Detective Sweetums. Oh, Chubbins, we're gonna find her. We're gonna make her pay. DVR'd the Academy Awards, and NBC Newsman Brian Gumble as the chief. You know, guys, um, I'm gonna need your badge, I need your gun. Uh, you wrecked half the city with your antics. We get results. Oh, Chubbins, you tell them. You're damn right, Sweetums. Sweetums, no! Chubbins, look out! Ah! Alright guys, I'm gonna back your play on this. But this is between you and me. We don't need to involve the mayor. You'll talk when I tell you to talk. I do what he says. Like, good cop, bad cop. But neither one of us is good. A really bad impression of Academy Award winning actor Michael Caine as the villainous Dr. Bad Guy. I want Chubbin's dead. I want Sweatham's dead. I want her family's dead. I want her pets dead. Or any bloke who even looks like them, dead. Don't miss Chubbins and Sweetums, they're cops. Sometimes, if you push the boundaries of the law too far, the law pushes back. Alright, Chubbins and Sweetums, got a drop on you, hand over the guns. Oh, Chubbins, I think he's right. Better hand over our guns. You're damn right we'll hand over our guns. Bullets first. Rated R. 